0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackabee.org.
1: Welcome to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam and I'm your host. And today we have a very special interview with retired Colonel Paul Lindsay of the U.S. Army. He was a chaplain in the Army and he took a very uh, unique path uh, into the Army. And uh, he's written a new book called The Safest Place in Iraq. And Richard and Paul talk about that as well
0: as how he ended up in the Army. We'll leave links to his book in the show notes. And now, the conversation with Colonel Paul Lindsay. Well, I'm really excited today, uh, as I always am, with the guests that we bring on to this podcast. Uh, I've been really blessed over the years because I've just had the privilege of meeting wonderful people people in the business community, uh, people in church life, people in the military. Uh, many, many different interesting people and backgrounds that are walking with the Lord and are being used by God to make a difference. And uh, today's guest is uh, a very special person. His name is Paul Lindsay, and uh, he has uh, had a diverse background as well. But uh, what we really want to focus on with Paul today is uh, that he has been a military chaplain. And uh, I've been uh, blessed for, I don't know, 12, 13 years now, to minister every year at the Billy Graham uh, Training Center uh, at the Cove to uh, military chaplains. And uh, also I've been on a number of military bases, even around the world. Uh, I was in uh, Belgium at some of the NATO bases back in March. The last trip I took actually, before I got grounded by COVID was uh, to respond to military chaplain in Belgium. and, And so wonderful group of people. And uh, so, Paul, uh, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be with you, to have this time with you. And uh, Paul has actually written a, new, a brand new book that has uh, just come out called uh, Safest Place in Iraq, which uh, caught my attention right away. Uh, I actually wrote a forward for it and uh, have read it and uh, excellent book. And so we're going to unpack some of that with Paul. But uh, Paul, maybe just, just begin by just telling us a little bit about who you are. Uh, in case someone hasn't heard of you before, uh, what do they need to know about you and uh, and what God's done in your life to this point?
1: I was a pastor before going into the Army as a chaplain, uh, so I, I've got a lot of experience both in the civilian community as well as the military. And it's been a delight to see God work in people's lives, sometimes as a direct answer to prayer, sometimes just because of God's sovereignty and His love for people. To be an eyewitness to some of the things that god does in people's lives has been a fantastic part of my journey
0: wow and you know i mean being a pastor is a great calling what what makes someone leave uh because you pastored you've been on staff in a couple of churches what what makes someone leave uh pastorate in north america to to join the the army and uh, get sent around the world
1: well two things first (laughs) of all it has to be a specific calling from the lord I don't recommend doing it just on a whim. Uh, The other has to do with agreement from my wife. I would never want to do anything without a sense of unity in Hmm. the home. But I felt early on when I was in Bible college that being a military chaplain was my calling. Hmm. Linda did not feel that way, so we, we got into civilian ministry. And it was 10 years later that the Lord spoke to her. She says, I'm ready now. Let's do this. Wow. So I got into the reserve at first, and then 10 years after that, she says, I think God wants us to go active duty. Hmm. And I said, it's taken you 20 years. (laughs) I've been ready for this. (laughs) I was almost too old at that point, but I I just barely got in and then had a wonderful time of ministry in the military, Hmm. wherever God opened the doors. Uh, We stayed involved in local churches when we were stateside and when we were overseas. Of course, we were involved in military community worship. Uh, but fantastic ministry, wonderful people wherever God has sent us, and the ability to to teach the Word of God and represent Christ to people all over the world has been fantastic.
0: Wow, and you know that's a that's a beautiful story, Paul. Just of uh, waiting for God uh, to speak to your spouse. I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of couples where the man or the wife will will feel a real sense of strong calling of the Lord, but their spouse. I, and I've had people ask me just point blank. What do you do when your spouse doesn't want to go with God, where God's leading you to go? What, what do you do about that? And, uh, and I'm, I'm great. I think that's very encouraging to folks to say, just trust God, trust your, your spouse's walk with God. And that, sure. that uh, sh- they need to hear from God just like you did.
1: Yeah, if you love somebody enough to marry her or him, might as well love them enough to trust them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and God's timing is not always like ours, but it's always best. Right. Well you so,
1: so had I gone into the military right out of seminary it would have been in the Navy because that's where I wanted to go hmm. but by the time we did make the decision, I was two years too old for the Navy, but the army gives you a little extra time oh really so went that way and and it was wonderful
0: wow and so how and tell me now tell us your rank where did you end up in rank in the in the army
1: I finished as a colonel oh.
0: And that uh, and so how and and so what are all the steps by the way I, mean, I, I, I for those like myself that are, I, 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 I think I know a lot of the ranks but like where do you begin and how do you end up as a colonel
1: I, I begin as a lieutenant and then promoted to captain major lieutenant colonel and then colonel oh. the only higher rank after colonel is a general if you belong to the chief of chaplain's office
0: yeah yeah wow so well you've written this book and um, it's a, of course, it's a, it's a fascinating title, safest place in Iraq. Now I read this book, and you had incoming missiles, <laughs> rocket yes. fire. I should say, into, uh, where you had to dash to a bomb shelter with with only moments uh, to spare. So, of course, this is not. Uh, you're going to have to explain to us how you could t- entitle it uh, "safest place in Iraq." Uh, I took
1: the title from the very opening sentence of the chapter one. When they told me where I was going, they said it was the safest place in Iraq. But by the time I got there, things had changed. Wow. So I I kept that as the title because that's what I was told. But by the time my time was over there was finished, I realized that God had his hand on me. And so being in God's will really is the safest place for anybody.
0: Hmm. So tell us, where where was that? Where were you?
1: I was about 110 miles south of Baghdad in the middle of the desert, closer to the city of Najaf and Diwaniya. Um, it was averaged between 110, 120 degrees. Mm. Uh, we were involved in fighting al-Sadr and his forces who stayed in the neighboring town. Uh, 2,000 people out in the middle of the desert who had no chaplain for the three years they were there. And since they were now having casualties, the army said, we need to send somebody now. So they, they selected us. And I when I heard that they were looking for somebody... I begged and pleaded my boss, my wife and I had prayed about it and got to go and the rest of it unfolded just by obeying the Lord's call to go.
0: Wow. So why did they say it was the safest place uh, initially?
1: Because there had been no activity there for three years. No deaths, no challenges, no bad guys, no terrorists in that sector.
0: Hmm.
1: But it started up. After I got orders to go, it started up.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. We've had a number of people share, uh, I, I felt like God wanted me to do this, and things got more difficult once I obeyed. It's uh, it's, often the case. it's one of the confusing experiences in the Christian life. And, and oftentimes people will kind of do a double take and say, well, maybe I made a mistake because I thought God wanted me to do this, but when I obeyed, things got harder, not easier.
1: Dr. Blackaby, I think that's true whether you're in ministry or in business or or in your family life. We we often like to think that peace is the sign of being in God's will, but that's not always the case. Hmm. Sometimes, if you read through Hebrews chapter 11, you hear about people who were delivered because of their faith, and then you read about people who were not delivered. They had just as much faith, but their journey took them through some painful circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, not peace is not the only thing to look for yeah. when you're trying to find God's will.
0: And a lot of times I'll say, well, maybe peace is if you're talking about the peace within you. Correct. <laughs> but Correct. peace without you, <laughs> sometimes you might be facing rockets. Uh, so so tell I, us, yeah, you've got some great, uh, great stories. Now, now, help us know just what, what time period, what year? Uh, I, was,
1: I was there in 2007 during the summertime, okay. late spring through the summer.
0: Okay. So we're trying to get our bearings here. So uh, t- tell us what it would be like. I mean, tell us some of the biggest, what were some of the biggest challenges that you had um, when all of a sudden you show up in this place that hasn't had a chap in three years, things are heating up. Um, when you watch those patrols uh, rolling out the gate and they don't know if they're going to hit a landmine of some kind, a rocket fire, a sniper, they literally, as they're going out the gate, they don't know if they'll come back alive. Um true. I, uh, and you, you don't know in the middle of the night. So tell us kind of the rocket uh, drill. If all of a sudden the air raid sirens went off, what did that? What did you have to do?
1: The, the people in the neighboring town would come out any time of day to the fields and the desert, and they would launch rockets or mortars, sometimes multiple. And as soon as we knew that they were coming, there would be a siren, and we have to jump out of whatever building we're in and get under a cement bunker for protection. Uh, which and they did those bunkers did a pretty good job unless one landed right on top of it (laughs) but but that could be in the middle of the night middle of the day anytime Hmm. a lot of of our people were killed because of those incoming and we knew it could happen to any one of us
0: wow and so So
1: i was sitting in my office one time preparing a bible study and i hear a mortar land outside of my building probably about 50 feet behind but we had a, a metal wall that surrounded the building so the shrapnel did not hit me directly, but it was landing on the roof of the building I was in. So I grabbed my helmet and ran out to get in the bunker right away.
0: Wow! It's just, and, and, a, and a mortar—you well. don't have much time. I mean, uh, how much time do you no, have? A mortar you get shot.
1: It's <laughs> going to be in the air what 15 to 30 seconds. I'm guessing. I don't really know.
0: Wow! Wow! Well, what uh, you've got some great stories in there of just that—that uh, that kind of pressure. Uh, a lot of us, you know, myself, I've been in ministry. I've been in some pretty nasty meetings of of various sorts over the years, but I don't think anything kind of holds a candle to having mortar fire coming in or some of the things you faced. Uh, what uh, when it gets that intense and your your wife's not able to be there with you, you're you're separated from loved ones and the support group that you'd normally have. Uh, you're you're sort of put on the on the line, uh, cut off from a lot of the support you'd normally have. Uh, tell us maybe a story too, just of the kind of experiences you had there, and you know, active fighting and danger. Uh, what 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 are some of the things that uh, you remember most vividly from that time? I could tell
1: you stories for the next six hours if you'd like. <laughs> I, I think we only have a half an hour here. Is that right, Richard? That's
0: <laughs> but yeah, so give us your best. Give us the gravy uh, here. So.
1: Let me give you a couple. Of them. <laughs> we we were in the neighboring town one time. I went out to, on patrol with our team. And after we do the job, we're on our way back, and the commander gets on the radio and says, we're going to go up to the next stop sign and turn left, and we'll take that road back to our base. And as soon as he gets off the radio, a strange voice gets on the radio and says, this is I in the sky. Do not turn left at that stop sign. There's a hot spot there. Now, the drone that was up there detected a hot spot, but it can't tell us what it is. It might be a rabbit, a dog, a person, or a bomb. We didn't know. So our commander says, All right, let's get to that hut, get up to the stop sign and turn right. And we went the different route. No sooner had we made the turn at that corner, there was a huge explosion right where we would have been. Hmm. Somebody knew where we were going and had set up some explosives. But fortunately, there was an eye in the sky and it detected it. <laughs> and so our life was saved. Wow. The, the interesting part, and to me, the answer to prayer part, a friend of mine worked in Salt Lake City and built the gyroscopes that the military uses in those drones. Hmm. And so I called John the next day, and said, John, you just saved my life. Hmm. And he says, you know, I've been praying for you every day, but I didn't know that my product would save your life. Wow. So so there's that kind of, we can call it a coincidence if you'd like, but God had his hand on, on keeping me alive. Well, it?
0: tell us too, because you don't, you wouldn't have to have been on that patrol in the first place, would you?
1: No, I, I was not. So why, why,
0: why were you on that patrol in the first place?
1: Because of my philosophy of ministry to spend time where my people go. If, if the men that I'm serving have to go out, I think I should be in the same conditions that they do. And I think that's part of the missionary call. Any, any missionary is going to go somewhere overseas or in a culture. You've got to live in that culture to minister to that people. So if my guys are out there in danger, I wanted to be with them just so I could say I know what they're experiencing. And it was interesting the the minute I told the team I wanted to go out and patrol with them, that's the moment they trusted me and I became their pastor, their wow. chaplain.
0: Wow. You know, I think a great lesson <laughs> just for pastors in general. I I know when I was a pastor, I used to wait for Sunday to roll around every week so I had my people there and I remember very vividly when God told me, "Well, you, you you can find them all week long. You just have to go to where they are. And I began going out to the factories and the hospitals and the business offices and having lunch and just walking the floor and just trying to figure out where where is it my sheep are hanging out all week long before I see them on Sunday. And it it really was revolutionary.
1: When I was pastoring in Los Angeles, I started doing that. Uh, One of the men in the church worked at Toyota's import plant in Los Angeles. And so I went out and and he taught me more about leadership than anything I'd ever read or any conference I'd ever been to, because he would go and he knew every person in every office, we would go out to the lot and there are tens of thousands of cars that had been imported. And he knew the men and the women who worked out there and to see him in action taught me about leadership Hmm. and about the relational aspects of what it means to be a leader who's in touch with his people.
0: Wow. Wow, and I bet you saw some great technology. I mean, the drones are amazing to me. Uh, yeah. Literally, a drone just passing by saving your life, just because. Uh, and where and where were those people monitoring the drones? They're back in the states somewhere, aren't they? They,
1: uh, they could be anywhere. I, I'm not at liberty to say where these were. They could be in the states. They could be in Baghdad. They could be anywhere.
0: Wow, wow. Well, they could that, be
1: on a navy ship somewhere.
0: That's amazing to me. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, my, uh, my very first Sunday there. We, we had a service, had a very small group. I think there were only seven or eight people there. But at the end, after we had communion, we're getting ready to dismiss. A Ukrainian officer walks in, and in his accented English says, I have something to say. I had no idea who the man was. But he says, a week ago, I came to the Bible study. And, and there was a, a layman who conducted a Bible study for a couple of years before I got there, a Baptist lay preacher from North Carolina, and this Ukrainian man had come and asked for prayer the week before because he developed an eye disease Hmm. and was going blind. Hmm. The group then prayed for him. They did not know it, but God healed him through Hmm. that prayer. Hmm. And so the next Sunday, he comes to church and says, I need to know more about Jesus. How do I get saved? And so my first Sunday, I had the privilege of leading him to Christ, uh, even though I was not part of the original prayer team that laid hands on him,
0: wow, wow, well, you and know, those
1: were the kinds of things that were happening every week—not every single day, but every week—God was really doing something special in somebody's life.
0: Hmm. Well, of course, people are facing life and death issues there. Uh, you, but and you share some of the stories uh, in the book of just some of the pressures. I mean, I mean, I've seen some of the statistics on how many military personnel are committing suicide every week uh yes. and it's alarming the the pressure the military is under and i know a lot of folks that uh that genuinely care about and appreciate what the military do to protect uh our freedoms but uh what what do you see i mean you're over there and the, seeing the stress and the fracture lines in these people uh I just can't imagine uh, being told, to go out on this patrol and you, and literally if you turn left instead of right, you could be blown up. Um, uh, what, what kind of things, what kind of pressures did you see the military going through um, while you there's were there? There's
1: a lot of tension. There's a lot of stress uh, and it, it is twofold. When a person is being shot at, there's a certain kind of stress. And there's a different kind of pressure when you are doing shooting at somebody else because you're getting ready to take the life of another human being. And so it is. it gets rather complex. And yet our soldiers and the sailors and Marines and airmen are called to do this day in and day out. It changes a lot of stuff and a lot of brokenness on the inside. Hmm. And we're often not prepared for that brokenness. But if we know Jesus Christ, it makes a powerful difference. Wow. There's a lot of brokenness in, in our business world, too. Hmm. So similar type of cutthroat situations that lead people to live with pressure day after day after day. Hmm. That tension can lead to discouragement, which can lead to depression. And after a while, we feel like there is no hope. And that's what can lead us to do something drastic, either harm ourselves or harm somebody else.
0: Wow. Yeah. And you you, did some great stories of just... Uh, people that just sort of broke uh, under the strain. And of course, yes. uh, you know, a lot of times it's not that there aren't a lot of those fracture lines in people's souls already, but uh, that kind of pressure brings them all to the surface. And uh, Are you
1: going to let me tell the story about reading
0: your book? Uh, you can. Was that, was that a crisis moment or a, or a, a positive <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I In the process of checking out, I had to
1: go through Fort Bliss, Texas, and I I got your book. Experiencing God day by day, and I decided, ah, I just felt in my spirit. This should be my daily reading and to use it as the the basis for Sunday preaching. Hmm. So I I would read it every morning, and then I would prepare in advance for the next Sunday's reading the sermon based on your scriptures and your comments that you and your father had done. And and I remember clearly on May 8, the reading really spoke to me, and and God was telling me, I'm going to do something like this for you. And the reading basically said, rather than telling God all the things that you want him to do for you, try to find out and discern what is God already doing in people's lives. Do you remember writing that?
0: Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs>
1: and so I made up my prayer all day. Lord, what are you doing in the people's lives here? All day long, that was my thought and my prayer. And nothing spectacular happened until eight o'clock that night. I, I got to the dining facility late and there was a visiting brigade that had sent some folks down and an interpreter sits down right an Iraqi gentleman who works with our military and he saw the cross on my shoulder and said, Are you a Christian? I said yes. He's and he picked up his tray and came and sat right next to me. And he says, I have an important decision to make. Can I talk to you? And I thought, Well, what am I gonna say? <laughs> yes, talk to you he says, but not here. I don't want anybody to see me. So the next afternoon, he comes to my office and tells me his life story. And the the reading that was in Experiencing God Day by Day really prepared me to pray for this encounter. Mm. Because God had been working in this man's life for 18 years. Mm. I mean, how appropriate to to read in the devotional, find out what God is already doing in somebody's life. Mm. okay. When he was a little boy, his family would go up to Baghdad for family get-togethers, and he would play with the neighborhood boys. And a little friend that he made asked him to come in for a drink of water because it was hot. And he says to me, you know, it gets hot here in Iraq." (laughs) I found that out. But he went into the little friend's house, and on the wall, he saw a picture of Jesus, a picture of Mary, and a cross. Several years in a row, he would go up for family get-together, and he would see the little friend and go in for a drink of water. After the second or the third year, on the way home, he says to his mother, Mommy, I would like a picture of Jesus. Mm. And his mother yelled at him and says, No, we are Muslim. You will never have a picture of Jesus.
0: Mm. And
1: he realized as a young boy, he could not talk to his parents about Jesus. Mm. 18 years later, he had a dream. And in his dream, Jesus comes up to him, puts his hand on his forehead, and begins to speak to him. And then and then this man looks at me and says, but I could not hear his words. I have been waiting for 18 years, and I have been waiting now another year for somebody to tell me about Jesus wow. and what he said to me in that dream. Can you do that? <laughs> because I've been praying now for two days, I had a sense for what God had been saying to him. Hmm. And when I told him, that God loved him and would forgive him for the terrible things. he'd. I didn't know the rest of his background. He had done some pretty terrible things. But when he heard that Jesus would forgive him and come into his heart, he he began to cry and he says, I want Jesus. Gave his heart to the Lord. Hmm. Fantastic. And I'm so grateful that I had read that and had prayed. So I was prepared for whatever God brought because I had taken time to pray and do that reading. Wow. When we're all done praying, he looks at me and he says, when I'm all done working for your army and go back to my home, my friends and my family will kill me. But at last I know Jesus, and that's okay. Wow. And I thought, what, about, what do we think of when we count the cost for following the Lord? We don't usually include somebody's going to kill me for this. But here in his counting the cost, he knew it could take his life.
0: Wow, wow. And those are just unforgettable experiences. And, you know, we, we've taught that a lot. Uh, what if you, what if you went through your whole life and accomplished all your plans, but you missed what God was doing Uh, with, with God, there's always his ways are not our ways. And, uh, and so uh, it's an exciting way just to live wherever you, wherever you're placed by God. Uh, mm-hmm. Just going out to work, uh, whatever it is you have in your day, and saying, "God, what are you doing around me today?" And uh, what a mm-hmm. wonderful story! Um, when so, uh, maybe one last uh, uh, just kind of uh, question, at least, is: I know in the military, of course, you can't you don't get to pick who your officers are, your commanding officers are. You, I'm sure over the course of your career, you've had some ones that were easy to follow, and some that maybe not quite as easy to work with. Uh, and we have a lot of people that have those kind of questions for us to say. So I feel like God wants me to do this or that, but I've got I'm working for someone that is making my life miserable, or I don't trust them. What do you What do we What do you do with that? And uh, how did you How did you navigate that over the years with all the different? commanding officers you have to report to, and I know some would probably be great uh, and would would really appreciate having a good chaplain around, and others would probably wouldn't know what to do with you, Um, and and how do you thrive?
1: Yeah, my first insight came when I was an assistant pastor out in California years ago. We didn't get along very well with the senior pastor's wife, Hmm. and there's nothing we could do except my wife says to me one day, why don't we start praying for her? Hmm. So we did that. We started praying daily. And it, it didn't take more than a month before there was a change in our relationship. I don't know that we changed or that she changed, but the dynamic in the relationship changed. And a real love and ability to respect and, and love each other grew from that. So I think the first step is to pray for your leaders if hmm. you're not getting along with them. You might have a terrible boss, a terrible subordinate, a coworker. But I think the first step is to begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to enter into that dynamic. And he's so good about that. He does.
0: Hmm.
1: One of my very first active duty jobs, I had a civilian. The the military will use civilians and military folks working in the same offices at that time. Our, Our senior civilian was a former Marine Corps pilot in Vietnam who hated God and hated chaplains, and therefore he hated me, (laughs) but I did my best. I prayed for him. I I did everything I was supposed to do, and he never said one nice word to me. After I moved to a different area, I get a telephone call from my replacement chaplain out there, and he says to me, what did you do out here? This guy thinks you're the best chaplain in the whole wide world. I said, well, he never let on that he thought that about me. <laughs> huh. we, we never know the kind of impact. We have to stay faithful, do what we can, be prayed up, be diligent, uh, do our job the best we can.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and just because you have a boss right now that you have a, you're have you having difficulty with does not mean you're out of God's will. Uh, That's right. You may very well, right. that may be part of your assignment is uh, to reflect Christ to, to someone who someone needs to reflect Christ to them. And mm-hmm. uh, if, if all the Christians keep trying to transfer out, <laughs> uh, then maybe they're missing the assignment right there. So,
1: Right. Any- Later on, I, I had a supervising chaplain who did the best job possible at getting me fired, kicked mm. out, disqualified. And it wasn't pleasant to my knowledge. It never did improve. Now, the other one, okay, finally he realized that, okay, I was a decent guy. This one never did. And Mm. it was just painful and ugly the whole time and yet i'm called to serve there Mm. so we we sometimes just have to endure and stay faithful through the tough stuff
0: Mm. and you probably so many times it's hard to know how we're changing maybe god is just uh refining us uh sometimes god uses those kind of people to be fire for us just to forge us and purify us and um, and and sometimes I I don't sometimes I think we we were fortunate to hear kind of some of the the, the follow up story and and sometimes in this life we never do uh, right but to to come to just trust that God knows what He's doing and, and um, I
1: found so often that the scriptures are, are helpful it's mm. good to know the Word of God Romans twenty eight <laughs> is so true even in the painful circumstances God is at work for our good.
0: Mm. Yeah. So for those people that just really appreciate the military, what, what can just the average person do? Uh, one of our, if people are listening in today and they aren't in the military, but they do appreciate them and they, they would help if they could, uh, when you just see somebody uh, going through an airport, uh, and you, I've sat next to some, uh, some folks that were in transit. what do, you, what do you what how can you encourage uh someone in the military if you're if you're a civilian and you just want to be a blessing to them
1: i, I think the first thing to do is to pray for us we, we do need prayer second thing is when you, when you see somebody a high five can say more than almost anything else <laughs> so, so when you talk about walking through the airport or downtown you see somebody dressed in a military uniform give them a high five that human connected well with covid now we
0: can't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a high elbow hard.
1: Yeah, if we have opportunity (laughs) to make a human connection, that is a powerful thing. Hmm. Uh, A a word of encouragement or appreciation, uh, fist bump, something to say, I see you and I value you as a fellow human being, because so many times we feel like we're all alone. Hmm. Uh, Some of the, the severest issues of being away from home is loneliness, sexual temptation, feeling like... There is nobody who understands me. And if we can somehow communicate a sense of love, I am with you, I understand, that can go a long way.
0: Wow, I, I'll never forget. I think I was flying up uh, near Fort Bragg and I uh, was on just a little commuter plane and uh, and I happened to sit next to this uh, young girl. She had to be eight, no more than 18 years old. Uh, just a s- slight uh, teenage girl. It, uh, I I almost thought what, what's she out traveling without a chaperone? She's so young, but she had her military uniform on, and and uh, she she seemed so uh, timid. I, mean, I was just trying to be friendly and just ask, you know, uh, she obviously had to be new in the army, and uh, where was she serving, and so on, and and she was we're we're talking, but she just seemed so timid, and uh, and I thought it this poor girl, she's timid of a a pastor guy that's just trying to be nice. What's she going to do and some terrorist is shooting at her but it just yeah. made, it made me realize just how young and inexperienced a lot of these uh folks in the military are uh and how inexperienced and vulnerable they could be um, oh yeah and uh so i certainly appreciate i've I've just had a great appreciation for the chaplains in the military and what they do uh, f- uh just to be on the front line with uh folks under great pressure and and under great temptation, you talk a bit about that—just uh, alone and away from uh, all the restraints and uh, support and accountability that would have normally been there. And um, and so, what a what a great ministry and calling uh, to be a military chaplain. And so, we Paul, any, any last thoughts just on uh, even just uh, like a leadership lesson or any parting at, at, at council? Yes. Uh, yes. Th-
1: there, there are there are different kinds of leadership and authority. And we need to understand where we are in in the spectrum of leadership and authority. Uh, Because we we have relationships, we have responsibility, uh, and if we can balance those out and find out where we are in any organization or any structure so that we know what our permissions are as well as our restrictions then we can conduct ourselves appropriately if we understand. For example, there is a delegated authority, and I have that authority as long as I am in good relationship with the one who delegated. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There is positional authority. If you're the one in a position of authority, then you have direct authority, but you have relationships with the people around you, beneath you. And no matter who we are, there is somebody above us still that we have to have relationship with. Uh, but there's also interpersonal authority and leadership. And when we talk about ministry as a chaplain, we have no command authority. But we have interpersonal authority and spiritual authority. And if we understand, and in one of my stories I said, you know, this one guy was threatening to shoot his co-worker for some personal reasons. I had no authority to tell the colonel what to do but I can make a recommendation, and because of the reputation and the relationship that I had with the colonel, he took my advice, and the situation turned out well. So we just have to understand where we are in relationships and the authority spectrum, and we can handle ourselves well and be quite effective.
0: Hmm. Well, thank you, Paul. And I know just we've had people, especially farther down the the food chain and some of the organizational charts uh in in uh, corporate america that have often asked and said well what can i do i'm not the ceo i'm not in upper management but uh but we all have levels of influence whether it's That's relational right. or whatever else and uh to just find we might be surprised uh at just how much god wants to use us at whatever level and position he's put us and well, i
1: we... think this is faithfulness and consistency if... well, if we are credible and we have a good reputation, then we can have a great amount of influence, regardless of our position.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and sometimes God takes those credible people and puts them in hard places, <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's the hard, dark places that need uh, the the light. And uh, it, being the light's not necessarily easy, but it, but uh, but God, that's a great. It's a high calling to be light in a dark place. And, um, well, Paul, so, thank you. So this
1: book comes out September 1, and I'm excited to make it available. It talks about what it's like to be a Christian in a dark place, in a dangerous place. And there are a lot of people not in the military who are in dark places, <laughs> and places. Yeah, and and we'll, as well.
0: And we'll find all that. It's available. You've got a website. We'll put all that information in the show notes. So if you'd like to know how to get this book, uh, it's, it'll be, it's, I don't think it's out on Amazon yet, but it will be by September 1st, I think. So the ebook
1: uh, is there on books Barnes and Noble. Okay, so ebook is and, available and, now. And yes. Yeah. And then the print book is only available on my website until September one. Okay. But but before you hang up, I've got to say thank you to you, Dr. Blackaby, because of the impact that you have made, not only in my life and my soldiers, but around the world. And I just want to say thank you to you. Appreciate you.
0: Well, thank you, Paul. I really look forward to this and uh, I really enjoyed your book. So if you if you folks just interested in a great read. Uh, of a fascinating journey in Iraq, uh, in the military, and just some of the lessons learned. And uh, you'll just be encouraged to know that God has got some outstanding servants of his that he's put in some hard places, and uh, they're doing a great job. So, and it
1: is still legal to be a Christian and preach the gospel in the military that has not
0: changed. <laughs> and we're grateful it's still happening. So thank you, Paul, very much. And uh, I encourage folks to, to get the book and uh, be encouraged and maybe be inspired to go to your hard place and uh, be a light there as well. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners, so email us at podcast at